Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we are going to be reviewing the new Stonemeyer game, Expeditions, <gasps> which is, uh, I don't necessarily think a sequel or a follow-up to Scythe, but it, it has the same artwork, so it, and it has somewhat of a similar feel in certain regards. They consider it a sequel. It's considered a sequel? Okay. Yeah. Stonemeyer game literally says a sequel to Scythe. Okay. So there you have it. It is it is official off the Stone Stonemeyer Games website. It, it's officially a sequel. And then mm-hmm. we are actually going to be taking a look at one of Natasha's uh anticipated Gen Con games, which is After Us by Pandasaurus, which is the cool looking Vincent Dutrait one where it's basically Planet of the Apes kind of theme. So we're gonna be looking at that and then in the discussion topic, we are going to be talking about board game challenges. The thing that specifically we're going to probably be talking about is going to be 10 by 10 challenges. So we're going to kind of dive into that and kind of just uh, see how we both feel about the infamous 10 by 10. Yeah. Um, I do want to let everyone know real quick, too. We will not have an episode next week. So just in, just so everyone is aware... Uh, next week, Tuesday, there will be no episode from us. Uh, we're just, we got a lot of things going on in life. We got trips coming up. We're taking a little bit of a break. We're taking a, we're taking a podcast vacation. Let's, <laughs> let's consider it a podcast vacation. We are allowed so many vacation days a year and we're using one of them. <laughs> Last year we used a sick day. This year we're using PTO. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, no, PTO is paid time off. This is just just, time off. It's just time off. It's just time off. Yeah. It's just a leave of absence, I guess, for an episode. I don't know. So I've been playing, or I shouldn't say I, Max picked up, rode his his bike into town, went to the game store, and um, I gave him money because he was going to go to the store, go out to lunch with his sister, but his sister got a flat tire like halfway there and I had to pick her up and bring her home. Max was like, I'm not going to let that ruin my fun. So we had all this money. So we went to the game store and bought adventure games, the volcanic island. He, and we haven't done any of those yet. And so I was like, well, you got to do that on your own. I'm getting tired of these games. I'm not interested. So he starts doing it on his own, gets stuck. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll help you. So I'm like, well, we got to reset because I have no idea what's going on. So we play it a little bit together. Um, it's... But it's not like an exit game. It's like it's not really a puzzle escape room style game. It's really like an adventure game. And it kind of feels like a choose your own adventure because you really you can just go and do anything. You can you've got little characters and you can take them into these other areas and you use the app. So if you've got a character or an item has a number on it and then if you go to a certain spot, you can um, type in the number. Or you can choose the add the item and the number together and type in that number, and then it'll give you a different you know different response. And so it's kind of like a virtual slash board game choose your own adventure. It's a lot of based on the app, but you know little standees for the people and cards for the locations. It was really it was interesting. It, it was not my thing. Like it was straight up storytelling. You know, it didn't really feel like a puzzle. Like there wasn't anything I needed to solve. It was just really kind of open world. You could go do, but you had a couple objectives like. We just saved this little boy, and so we had to go figure out how to do that or find him, I guess. Um, so it was interesting. Not my thing, but Max enjoyed it. So he's going to pick up a couple more of them, keep doing them. I snagged one of these 
because this would be more my style of game. I could definitely see how it's not you. Like this is more of a three separate stories. You're just trying to go through the story, do that sort of thing. I actually mm-hmm. picked one up not too long ago because I would like to try it and see if it's something that's like more my speed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can see why you wouldn't like it. It, it from my understanding is there's almost no puzzles. It's None. literally just like a small campaign. Yes, exactly. You could do it with Lila. It, you know, and you can use the app. It, it works really well. Um, but kind of like, uh, oh, let's go here and see what it does. And some of them are dead ends, so then you go back and, you know. But Max but, likes it. Yeah, oh yeah, he likes it. Okay, cool. All right. And he can do it on his own, which is kind of nice. That just goes to show don't give your son a bunch of money to go into town to have lunch with his sister. Why oh, didn't you just like take some of the money back when you went to pick up Parker when she had I should have. I didn't think about it. Well, he took off on his bike. He's like, I'm going to, oh, whatever, that's fine. Well, I, did I tell you when I gave him money to take to go after school to his friend in town uh-uh. um, for lunch? They wanted to go to Frank's for lunch. And I was like, sure, here's, here's some money. You guys can get lunch. And they instead went to Grandma's house, who also lives downtown, got lunch at Grandma's house, and then spent all the money I gave them on candy. <laughs> Classic. Tell me you wouldn't have done that as a kid. I wouldn't have done that. No way. I, I would have hoarded the money. I would have kept it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah, you wouldn't have spent it on anything. You wouldn't have spent it on something as silly as candy. No. Ugh. No, I wouldn't have. They'll go. Oh, he went I he went to the football game last week and um I gave him twenty dollars because it was him and his friend. I said, Here, you know, you need money to get in and then you can buy, you know, if you always want to buy dinner like because we, we didn't do dinner so like you can get hot dogs or something to eat for dinner but do not spend all 20 dollars on candy he's like okay no no problem well it turns out grandma had given him 10 dollars, and then his friend had given her 10 dollars as well so they had 40 dollars to spend at the at the um football game and sure enough they spent it all he's like oh i bet yeah for everybody does, <laughs> is that what he does it, does he like does he buy stuff for other people is that his big thing He'll go he into town, a lot. buy a bunch yeah. of yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He always like tries to get extra money so he can buy things for his sister. He he cannot keep money on him at all. Like he would literally rather buy like complete junk garbage just to spend his money. Like like if there's a garage sale going on, like he'll like spend it on crap that he does not care about and immediately throw it away. Like he doesn't care. He just has to spend his money. There was a there was a TikTok I saw recently, and it was like. Hey, so-and-so, you have $23.95. And he just looks at me and goes, not for long, because I make poor financial decisions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Max. $23, what can, I, what can I buy for $23? Yeah, this is how much I have. What can I spend it on? Yep. Yeah. You need to yeah. teach that boy how to save. I've been really scared for him. And then we played about a year or so ago, or a couple years ago now. I, I taught him how to play Splendor. And he would constantly save up his tokens in order to buy the more expensive cards and i was like okay so he is capable of saving up you know to buy nicer things yep so i think he has hope but yeah he can't save for nothing i don't know it's it could be an age thing too right like it it's like when you when you don't have money and then all of a sudden you know your parents give you twenty dollars it's like oh my god i went from zero to twenty like it's mm-hmm. it's so much money mm-hmm. and like you think about it now and you're like well twenty dollars like you know, giving it to a kid or whatever, but just that that whole concept of of money as a child and as you grow, it just it's different, right? So it is. But my daughter, like, she'll 
she'll have to get money from me and she'll save it, you know, or she'll like only spend a part of it and save the rest of it. Like, she's always got money like hidden in her room and her backpack and her coat. Like, she's got money everywhere. Max, none. That's Zero. Hilarious. Like Zero if he's dollars. got coins, he will spend it. Parker has all this money, but does she ever like buy anything for Max? No, no, never. <laughs> just can't. Just can't. Max has such a big heart. That's the thing. He's you just know. think of it as like charity. He's just trying to like give charity to people. That's what he's trying to do. No, he's trying to spend his money and doesn't care about getting things as long as he spends the money. Yeah, that could be too. <laughs> That's hilarious. The fun That's part like, is in the spending. You know, it's it's funny because like with my kids or whatever, uh, my oldest who has some you know developmental um, delays and stuff like that, trying to teach him the concept of money is just. I don't know. It's weird because there's times where you think he knows what's up and other times where he doesn't like he'll recently we made a trip to a Lego store and because uh, I, I picked up a leg. I was picking up a big Lego set and he wanted to get something. He's like, hey, um, I want this. And we're just like, do you have do you have enough money? He's just like, well, I, I was hoping maybe you guys would buy it for me. And we're like, we're not going to buy it for you. He's like, well, how much is it? And we're like, it's this. He's like, do I have enough money? I'm like, well, if the set is 150 and you have $200, do you think you have enough money? Y- yes. Like, is that uh-huh. a question? Like, okay, you do. Do you still <laughs> want it? Well, no. Yeah, because we're not buying it for you. Like, <laughs> so stuff like that, knowing That's that. That's good, he, though, that he didn't want right. to spend all his money on one Lego set. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, so then we'll be like, he'll, we'll be somewhere and he'll be looking at something and be like, do I have, like, the thing is, do I have enough money? I'm like, Zach, you, you, we, you know how much money you have. I told you before coming here. <laughs> you have this amount of money. Do you have enough? Well, I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> Just tell him. That's no. okay. Just no. no. Nope. 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 <laughs> no money. None. None whatsoever. <laughs> All right. How about we get into some reviews? Sure. I want to talk about uh, After Us. This is a deck building game designed by Florian Xerix and art by Vincent Dutrait, published by Panasaurus Games. So in After Us, Humans are extinct, and apes continue to evolve. They're going to gather in tribes, develop themselves, learn to master objects left behind by humans, and advance in their quest for knowledge. So this game is essentially a race. Players are going to be playing until someone passes 80 points. As soon as this happens, the game will end in the current phase. Each round of the game is going to be going to have three different phases in it. In phase one, players will draw four cards from their deck, and they will use those cor- cards to form their tribe. Each card is going to have three rows of symbols on them, and players are going to be arranging their cards side by side to take effect of those, ro- those rows. Cards could have uh, frames already complete on their cards, but most likely a lot of them are going to have partial frames on the edges of the card. So the goal is to arrange your cards to complete the frames. So if two cards are part have partially completed frames and then you place them next to each other and the frame completes, that player can now gain that benefit. Typically, the top row will provide players with you know, resources in the game like flowers, fruits, grains, and batteries. Second row usually lets players convert their resources into victory points. And the last row will let you convert resources into other resources, victory points, or one of the other resources in the game, Rage. In phase two of the game, players can attract new apes to their tribe. Each player will secretly choose one of their action discs, which gives them a benefit and also dictates the type of ape they can recruit. The other players are able to gain the benefit of either of their neighbor's disc if they're going to pay two identical resources. After all players have played their discs, they can now recruit new apes by paying either three or six resources. 
giving them either a level one or level two ape of that kind that they chose with their disc, which they will draw from a face down deck and place on top of their draw pile. The last phase is rest where players will discard their cards and prepare for the next round. One of the last things this game provides is three random objects players will use in each game. And these will usually give you some sort of benefit. For example, one card might say in phase two of each round, you can convert six or nine batteries into a new level one or level two ape. Uh, one of the last things I want to touch on is rage. One of the things you can do to thin out your deck is use rage to dismiss one of your apes. And that's usually going to give you like a quick little benefit, whether that be some points, some resources, some different things that you need. And then the play is going to continue until somebody hits 80 points, which will end the game. I think what makes this game fun and interesting is that arranging your cards in such a way to gain the resources that you particularly want. Sometimes you can place cards together and they'll give you slightly more stuff, but it's not exactly what you're looking for in that particular round. You know, and then you're trying to make sure you're getting the conversions that you want and just trying to acquire and build a engine round to round with the cards that you get in order to just continue scoring points and trying to race to that 80 points. Yeah, I think the fun in this game is the you got four cards and you're arranging them how to get the maximum amount of stuff out of that every your turn. You want to focus on what you want, your goal that turn, or you want to focus on getting the most stuff, you know, and. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say I think it's a complete stretch to say it's a deck building game because it certainly doesn't feel like a deck building game at all. Yep. Although you are playing cards and then you're acquiring a card at the end of each round, adding it to your deck. But it just it doesn't have that same feel to it. It feels more like a puzzle. You got four cards, you're kind of puzzling out what do you want to do with them? And it's fun. You can kind of you puzzle it out and then you just get 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 all these resources and then you spend the resources for victory points. Um, and then you upgrade and get a better card. And that's kind of the whole game, rinse and repeat. And it's it's fun. It's light and fun and quick, which is nice. Yeah, it's not. it definitely doesn't take a long time to play the game, which is good. Is it a deck builder? Is it not a deck builder? It When you're dealing with the cards, everything around it basically feels like a deck builder. You're drawing a new set of cards at the start of each round. You're using those cards in some way. They end up going into a discard pile. When you acquire new cards, they're going to go. They go on top of your deck, not necessarily in your discard or anything like that. Which mm-hmm. you know, deck builders will often change up where the where the card goes when you acquire it. And then, if you ever need to draw additional cards, you shuffle your discard pile and then you can redraw. So in that in that regard, I think yes, it's a deck builder. But I agree with you; it doesn't feel like a deck builder because mm-hmm. it's not doesn't have that. Okay, I'm going to play this card and it's going to give me two coins to do that. It's these four cards need to be arranged in such a way that I can do my thing and get the resources I need in order to do stuff. So in that regard, it like like you said, it doesn't feel like a deck builder. You know, if anything, it feels more like an engine that you're trying to manipulate round to round to round. Yeah, I've heard complaints that it feels like a solo game. You know, because yep. you're not interacting with anybody at all, hardly. There's like a small thing where you can do what somebody else is doing. Um, but other than that, it's just a race. You just want to get there first. Yeah, the interaction on it is extremely light. Yes. But that doesn't bother me. I, I don't think that as a negative, but just keep that in mind. Yeah, I think if you like highly interactive games, this is not going to be the game for you. A lot of it is pretty solitaire puzzle building. You're going to do your four cards. You're going to put them together. You're going to gain your resources. You're going to do your conversions. The only thing 
that really is interactive is in phase two when you're picking one of your discs. So picking that disc, each ape type is going to give you something. It's going to give you a couple victory points, maybe a couple you know batteries. It'll allow you to reactivate one of the frames in your row, that sort of thing. And then it also dictates you know which ape you can recruit. And if for some reason I see you have a lot of one particular resource, I'm hedging my bets that you're either going to pick you know this particular ape or you can do um chimpanzees are wild you just need to do all identical resources you're not resort like you don't have to use a specific resource to get them the other three you do so if you want to get a gorilla you need to have grain you know whereas chimpanzees you can have whatever so if i see you have a lot of grain okay you're probably going to pick that or you're going to pick the chimpanzee well then mm-hmm. i might pick something else so if i spend a couple resources i can get that benefit off that one disc yeah, I I liked it. I think it. I think you you could teach it to kids, like older kids, pretty well because it's really there's no text. It's all iconography, and only iconography yep. is really easy to understand. Um, so in you know once you do put the cards together, it's really easy to tell like which card, what things I get and what I get to do. So I think it says twelve plus, and I think you could probably easy teach an eight year old around that age, especially if they play a lot of games. Yeah, I think twelve is a little high for the number on this. It's pretty. It's a pretty simple game for the most part because the biggest thing is going to be arranging those. As long as you can understand arranging those icons and like how you can convert stuff, for the most part, you're just trying to get as much as you can. You're just trying to do as much as you possibly can with the stuff that you have. You know, some of that's luck of the draw, that sort of thing. So I wanted to talk to you about specifically two things. One, there's two there's two types of um, cards that you can get. There's level one and level two. Level one typically will cost three of a resource. Level two will typically cost six. Obviously, level two are generally better than level one. The problem I have is you don't know what you're getting because they're all face down piles. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I like that because you're just like you're just going to get something and you're going to see what it is. You don't get to decide based on what you see out there. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? That doesn't bother me because I think. I think it's way too overwhelming to try to, if they were face up, to try to pick out the best one and try to like base their card play on that. I think it would add way too much complexity to the game and and I wouldn't enjoy it. So it didn't bother me. I feel like it was light enough where you just get what you get. Um, You know kind of an idea of what you're going to get. Like, you know, like this type of monkey gives you a lot of this type of resource. You just don't know where yep. the boxes are placed. You know, and I think... I think it's going to benefit you well, like to kind of get a lot of the same monkeys is, is what I'm gathering, but I'm not sure that or you want to change it up a lot, but it that didn't bother me. Yeah. I th- I don't know if it would have added more decision making because at the end of the day, does it really matter? Like maybe I want this particular one because there's some frames that are already complete within it. That's going to give me stuff. I think all the levels had like the same, like level of completed like the same open boxes so you're getting the same number of stuff it's just a matter of where it's at yeah and i guess at the end of the day that doesn't necessarily matter because you're just drawing randomly from your deck anyway so maybe it aligns maybe it doesn't align i think Mm. it would just add a level of complexity that would make it overwhelming and like feeling like you're getting choices when it's just too much yeah and it might also slow the game down quite a bit because now Mm -hmm. you have to go and turn order on who's getting what what who's recruiting what which ape and then as each one gets revealed, then you have to rethink it, you know? Yeah. It could slow things down quite a bit. Overall, I think it's it's a pretty 
pretty simple game, somewhat like filler plus maybe that sort of level. It was a pretty quick game too. Um, what are you going to rate it? I'm going to give it a seven. I liked it quite a bit. I, or seven and a half. I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of meat on the bones, you know, so it's not like going to be, I don't think it's going to be one of my favorites just yet, but I enjoyed it. It was fun, snappy, quick, and I liked that. Yeah. I'm coming in at a seven. I, I enjoyed my play of it. It's one of those games that I'm not going to be like, hey, let's play this game. But if somebody's like, hey, we have, you know, a half hour before their game is done. Do you want to play a quick game of this? Yeah. Because the, the puzzly putting stuff together and trying to figure out where you want to put things on your with your four cards and how you want to arrange them, I think, is interesting enough that it's one of those quick games that you can just kind of fill and, and get to the table fast and, you know, get through. I think if you're looking for a game with a lot of interaction, this is not it. If you like a game where you're, you know, you're acquiring some cards and you're able to put those things together, which is seems to be used a lot lately in games. People have been using that mechanic where if you align these two spots up on uh, on the sides of the card, you get a thing. You know, you saw mm-hmm. it in Starship Captains, you saw it in a variety of other games, and I've I'm really starting to enjoy that piece of it. I like that. Um, cause it, it gives you just enough of a puzzle. I don't think there's a ton of tension in the game. So if, if you're looking for, you know, something light, puzzly, that sort of thing, I think this might be a good pick. If you're looking for something like deep strategy, that sort of thing, it's, this is not probably the game for you. Um, the artwork goes a long way. It's Vincent Dutrait. It looks amazing, has good, you know, good iconography, that sort of thing. So if you think that's something you would like, definitely give this one a look. That is After Us. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Expedition. This is Jamie Stegmeyer's new game. The art is the same from size. It's by Jacob Rosalski, and it's published by Stonemeyer Games. So this is a hand management kind of exploration card game. Players are trying to get the most amount of money by the end of the game. They will collect money throughout the game and earn money um, for any cards that they have upgraded, item cards that they've upgraded, corruption tokens they've collected, and of course stars that they've earned throughout the game by completing certain goals. So on your turn, you'll have three different things you can do. You can move your mech around the board from one to three spaces. You can gather, which is taking or doing the uh, thing on your hex that you're on, that your mech is on. Um, you might get cards, additional workers, increase your strength or guile, etc., The third thing you can do is play a card. Every card will have a base ability, which lets you increase your strength or guile. And it also has a unique ability that you can do if you have a worker of that type to place on it. There are three different types of cards in the deck. There are item cards. If you upgrade your item cards, then then you'll have a special ability throughout the game. Then there are meteorite cards. If you forge them, they will give you money. And every time you forge a new one, you can collect upon the previous played one. So you can, you know, get a lot of money that way. Then there are quest cards. If you have a quest card and you are on the matching tile, tile, you can play a card that lets you solve a quest. You pay the cost of the quest and then you get the benefit on the card. At the end of the game, you get extra coins for solving quests as long as you've put in stars out. If you have four of any of these cards, so four item upgrades, four meteorites forged, or four quests solved, then you can go to a bow spot and put a star on it. There are other various ways you can earn stars throughout the game. Once one player gets their fourth star out, fourth star out, all players get one more turn. What makes this game interesting is the action selection. So on your first turn, all, you can do all three actions. Then after that, you take your cube and cover up one of the actions and just do the other two. 
Then in your next turn, you move your action cube to a different action space, covering up a different one, and then do the other two, and so on and so forth, until eventually you run out of cards to play. And so you can refresh. When you refresh, you pick up all, take up a turn, pick up all your cards that you've played, return all of your workers that you've used back to your personal supply, and you put your action cube on the refresh spot. And then on your next turn, you get to do all three actions again. And it continues on like that. Yeah, that's one of those things from Scythe that you kind of see that they've included in this is when you're taking actions, you can't necessarily take the same action again. You know, because the way you're moving your cube, you get the two actions and you have to kind of just pick and choose the two that you're doing. And mm-hmm. sometimes you really want to play a card, but it's on that spot. You need to move in order to do it. So you're constantly trying to set yourself up so in future turns you can do the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So that action thing is and ultimately the best thing you can do is go as long as you possibly can without resting because you're then... Yes, you get an, an a third action, but you're taking an entire turn off. Yeah. So, you know, you lose an action by doing that. Yeah. And there are various ways throughout the game that you can pick up your cards without having to refresh, too. So you can kind of avoid that if you want to. Yeah. You can. Uh, there's one spot in particular I remember that you could basically sweep the cards and then refresh all your cards, which was nice because then it just it it allowed you to pick up your cards and not have to do that refresh action. Another thing I didn't talk about is the vanquishing. So there's an action on one of the cards to let you vanquish. And that's where you spend your strength or your guile to like remove tiles off of the board. And then those score you points at the end of the game. And that's another way to earn stars. If you vanquish seven tokens, you'll earn a star. So there's a lot of things you can do just like in Scythe. So what are the similarities to Scythe? It, the artwork's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses a lot of the same iconography, uses the stars it uses um, the same coins, like the same, just the way the look of it, you know, is very similar. Even the hexes, it's a, it's, the board is made out of hexes that you put out and arrange, you know, but it's hexes that's similar. It's very similar in the way it looks and it even feels to me a little bit similar where in Scythe, like, you know, a lot of people when they first play, they try to do a little bit of everything and, and then they like, at the game ends and they have zero stars because they they're like almost completing like four of them, you know, or inside you really need to focus on one or two stars and complete those really quickly. You know, you, then you focus on one or two more and complete those really quickly, you know, or maybe four slowly, I suppose. But and in this game, it feels very similar. Like you want to be you can do a lot of different things, but you only need to get four stars out. You definitely want to get those quests out so you can that's a multiplier for your points. You know, you want to vanquish because those are worth points too. So the, you've got all these things you want to do, but you really need to focus on getting really good at a one or two of them. And you're kind of forced to a little bit more in this game because of the cards that come up. Like you can, you're limited based on the cards that um, you have in your hand and if you can get workers that match them. So it does help with that a little bit. Yeah, the this game, while it is a sequel to Scythe, feels different, at least for me. There's, there are some similarities with, you know, you can't do necessarily the same sort of actions back to back. You know, the artwork is very consistent among them. You're moving a mech around, that sort of thing. The, the stars obviously help with that. But at the end of the day, this game to me feels different. You're still racing to get those stars out, so there's still that race aspect to it. But this feels more like a card game than it does uh, 
like a resource management worker placement kind of game that scythe can kind of be referred to because you're putting the workers out on the board and collecting resources and doing stuff. But I agree with you. If you're going to be successful, you need to focus on things. I will say, you know, uh, I won the game you and I played. And part of it was I had done one of the things I was working on was getting uh, my star for the quests. And it didn't really occur to me, but like it was explained with the rules and stuff like that. But, you know, whatever, that if you do so many quests, you get a multiplier for all your stars out. And that's what basically won me the game. Well, what won me the game is the fact that I had all my stars out and I was able to do that because Mm -hmm. you and I tied, I think. And then I won because I had all my stars out and you didn't. But um, just, you know, whatever, humble brag. So the thing is, this game to me feels more like a card game because that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to play these cards and you're trying to do these things like, yes, you're moving to these spots and you're taking the action on the spot and they get better when you vanquish all the discs that come out. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things that irritate me about this game. Okay. Which surprises me that I have things that irritate me. Um, The first thing is using terminology to do things in the game that are somewhat counterintuitive to each other. So one of the things is you're doing quests and the action in order to fulfill a quest is solve. So on one of your cards that you get, you can either get a gain a worker or solve. Okay, well, what does solve mean? Solve means complete a quest. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, yes. okay, okay, sure. So, so you can solve a quest, you can forge a meteorite, or you can upgrade an item. Or you can gather, or you can play. I know, like, gathering is like a basic... mechanism of the game you either move play or gather it's very explain explain the whole thing you gather is by doing the the thing on the on the tile and then i picked up a card and it says gather and i was like what does gather mean and it took me like i literally said that out loud and somebody explained to me like i taught the game i told you what gather means and then i read it on the card because i used it in a different way i i forgot what it was well it's like it's like meld well what's meld taking him oh yeah you know you know putting a meteorite into your like absolving a meteorite or whatever like why meld i agree the the terminology is not intuitive it's all brand new it's it takes a minute to get used to it and you forget what things are and and all of the cards are unique so there's a lot of the terminology on the cards without any symbology associated with it yeah and you're you're the one of the things that Reminds me a little bit of side with that stuff too is so you're playing a card, you're gonna get the top like core benef- core value. Core, core value core the core yeah, core value of the card. Which is a benefit that you move up the thing, but why is it core value as opposed to core uh, anyway? So you get that, but then if you want to do the bottom action, you need to have a worker of the same color to be able to do that bottom action of the card. So in mm-hmm. some ways that's a lot similar to side where if you want to do the bottom action, you have to do things in order to, you know, do both the top and bottom action on your action board. The other thing that is frustrating to me is, so vanquishing is getting rid of those corruption tokens that are on the board. And when you flip a tile, it'll have a little square spot where you're putting your corruption tokens, and it'll say like 8+, plus, and then you're drawing tokens from the bag until you've reached the number that um, exceeds 8 or whatever, right? So you'll grab a five and you grab a three. Cool, it's eight. You're done. Set them on top of each other. Here's my here's my issue with that. One 
is my understanding is it's it's open information to know what both tokens are. So mm-hmm. in order to know, you're going to have to constantly be lifting them off to look at what's underneath. Okay. I mean, they're color coded. So, you know, one's guile and one's strength, not strength. Yep. They can't. Okay. Yep. It's strength. So you can, you can pull those tokens off and you can look and say, okay, I know how much I need for this, but you're constantly picking them up and looking at them. And then on top of that, there, once you've vanquished all the tokens on a tile, you get an additional thing you can do on that tile, typically, whether it be boasting to put stars out or, you know, being able to upgrade items and enhance, I don't know, you're able to, you know, do the thing with the items, you know, meld them into your, into your thing. But you don't know what they are. And if you want to know what they are, you have to pull them off to see. There's no like, sometimes when you're dealing with cards, like take Furnace. Furnace will have a little, um, when you're upgrading a card, it will show you on the front of the card like what you're going to get when you upgrade it. It's like shadowed behind everything. Like where's that on this on this tile? Where And the tiles are big enough. It's not like you're, you know, you have lack of space in order to put those on there, you know? Yeah. It just, those little, those little things that just, I don't understand why they're not better in this game, you know? Sure. You do do you not agree? I agree with the the words, the brand new words. I wish that there was some iconography that go with it. You know, like in, even a, instead of a word in iconography and then a card that explains what all the icons mean or something because you just forget what these words mean. Vanquish, what does that mean? You know, that's not an intuitive term. You know, it kind of everything there is kind of made up. So I agree with you there. The tokens, yeah, you're constantly attaching them, picking them up. It doesn't bother me, but yeah. There just could be a better, more streamlined system. It's fiddly in that way. It is fiddly, yes. So I'm that's the thing is you can't tell me that this game doesn't have the same sort of fiddliness for you as like Teotihuacan where you're having to manipulate the things like, well, what's underneath this one? What is it? Oh, five? Okay, if I go there, I can vanquish both of them. It's you know, that's one fiddly item. Teotihuacan has like five fiddly things. Yeah, because they're the five dice you're using in the game. Anyway, no, the thing is Col- like... Coco, no, no. Anyway, let's let's bring it back. So that's those types of things bug me about the game. That's fair. You it you will you will allow me my grievances on this particular game. You will allow it. Yeah, you're allowed to have your opinions. It's fine. <laughs> well, thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> Other than that, like this game is a card game. Like, yeah, you're moving your mech around and doing stuff, but it feels more like you're trying to manipulate those cards. You are 100% trying to re- manipulate the cards. That is the game. It's yep. getting the cards, getting certain cards with because you want to get cards that match the color that, of workers you have so that you can use the cards. And then you want to get cards that go well together that you can just kind of use over and over because, you know, it is an action to get cards. So you don't want to waste time getting cards and you don't. I do like that throughout the board that there are face up cards that you can pick from. So when you're looking for cards, you have a good chance that one of the cards you're, you're wanting is out there. Um, but you can draw off the top, but I think the strategy really comes in is really finding these cards that go well together and that allow you to do all the actions you want to do. So you don't have to waste turn getting like different colored workers and, and various other things. Yeah. And then you, you got the whole thing where, one of the cards will be like take a take a face up meteorite card. Well, if there's no face up meteorite card, you just don't get that benefit. Yeah, you wouldn't want to play that card. Well, and there's there was a time when I was getting close to the end game where I needed another I needed to meld another meteorite, 
but I hadn't, I didn't have a meteorite card in my hand and I tried drawing two cards from the deck, choosing one, discarding the other, and I still didn't find it. And eventually I had to sweep every card and have them draw them back out in order to find a meteorite card in order to get my final star. So if you're, sometimes you have to dig for the card that you need in order to progress the game. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, so keep that in mind. This is the second time I played it at five, and I did not like it at five. It's way too long. I will say that. Yeah, it was a bit long for what, now, it, what it is. Both times, there was a lot of people were learning. So that's I, I think if you played it with a group and everyone was really familiar with the game, the turns are really quick and snappy. If you're quick, you can play a five-player game and it'd be fine. But I don't recommend starting off with the five-player game. I would only recommend the five-player game if you're playing with people who have played it four or five times. Yeah, and then the interaction in the game is more like blocking people from going to specific spots because you're going to move your mech onto a tile and there's only one mech allowed on each tile. So sometimes you'll go onto a tile and you could sit there for a couple turns because then you're, instead of doing the move action, you're doing play and gather. So you're playing a card and gathering from that tile again. So sometimes you can sit on a tile that somebody needs, and in order to complete quests, you have to go to specific tile numbers in order to complete those quests. So in regard, that's where the interaction lies, is blocking people from stuff. But yeah, five f- the it, it makes me wonder, at lower player counts, how much of that interactive part of the game are you going to lose? Right at five, it's it can be a tight board. At two, it's probably not. Like you're going to be a free for all for everything you want. Are you going to lose that tension that you have? Because that's where part of that tension comes from. Is don't take this spot. I need this spot, and then they move to that spot, and you're like, <sighs> like mm-hmm. I needed that spot, and now I need them to go getting, to a different spot. You know, them getting there first. You preparing yourself to vanquish these tokens, and somebody goes and grabs it right before you, and you yep. have a high strength, and all of that's left out is guile. You know, yeah, there's a lot of tension in where people are going to go because it really matters. It's not a huge board. The spaces right. are all unique. Yeah, and they, they're they the same game to game to game. They're just going to be randomly drawn and put in different spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the cards that make it interesting and, and unique from game to game. Pretty much. That's where you're going to get your replayability is getting those cards. And the thing is, in a five-player game, we ran through the deck you know, one and a half times. We went through the whole deck, had to shuffle, and then create the deck again. So it's not like you're constantly seeing new cards, the deck being that big. I think eventually it's just going to be very similar in a lot of the a lot of the games. Um, I was really looking forward to this game. Something from Jamie Stegmeyer, especially in the side of the universe with the artwork. And if I'm being honest, it fell flat for me. I wanna I wanna maybe play it more and try it, but I'm also not like chomping at the bit to get it. You know? Mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a bummer because I was really excited and I thought I was really going to like the game. And I thought the game was fine. I thought it was fine. I really like the game. I like it a lot. It. I didn't like it at five. I played it a couple times at five. Now it's way too long. I won't do that again until I play with experienced players. But I really like the card mechanic. I think it's, I think it's very different each time because you're going to be going for different colored cards. You're going to be doing different combos. I think the different paths to victory are all really interesting i really like it um i'm gonna come in at an eight only because i haven't played it that many times i really still think it could grow on me even more though how many plays have you had of this game would you say by now four probably and you still need more 
plays, you think? It doesn't start to feel samey at all for you? No, not at all. In fact, this last play was definitely my best. Because before, the past, I was just like randomly grabbing cards. Yep. Now, I this time I had a plan. I had some cards that synergized well together. I felt like I was doing a lot better than I did the first few times. Gotcha. Okay. But the two of the plays were really kind of soiled by the long game experience. It was long at five. It was a bit too long for me. I, what I loved inside is that angst and that tension of, let me get back to my turn. Like, I want to take my turn. Like, I have all these things planned out that I want to do. Um, and then in this game, like, I don't necessarily feel that same sort of tension. It's still the race to get everything out, and you're just trying to maximize your actions as quickly as you possibly can. Um, I say it fell flat for me. I'm still coming in at a seven. I think the game, I think the game was pretty good. Um, fell flat for me is the expectation was really high. Like I expected to come into this game and just absolutely love it. And I didn't, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, I really do want to try playing it more. Those little, like those little things like the vanquish and, you know, solve the quest as opposed to just completing the, just those types of things, that little bit of disconnect just kind of is slightly just frustrating for me. You know, it just, yeah. man, I really wish it was, I really wish that wasn't an issue. There was some iconography that we were playing a certain way. And then when it was my turn to take advantage of the iconography, Natasha figured out that we had been doing it wrong the entire time. So it just like little things like that, you know, like it could have been tightened up. If that makes sense. Could have been mm -hmm. tightened up a little bit. To make it more intuitive. There's a, the, how to play is really simple. It's, yeah, yeah, it's figuring out, like, what does this card mean? What does this card do? What does this mean? One of the things I loved about Scythe is getting your action board, getting your character, getting your thing, seeing where you're at on the board, seeing what other people are doing, and trying to figure out the puzzle of, all right, what, what am I going to be going for? Like, what am I going to be doing? In this game, the next time I play, I, for a fact, the, one of the first things I'm going to do is try to complete is complete the quests because that's just straight up a ton of points. If you ignore the, it's like ignoring the, you know, the heart track inside. You can't do that. Like you mm -hmm. have to complete quests. If you don't, if you're, if you get four stars out and none of them are quests, you're probably, it's probably, and you do zero quests, you're probably not going to win. Well, you still get points for your stars, but yeah, you don't get as many. Yes. So based on the quest you solve, you get, if you've solved zero quests, you get five points per star. One quest is six, two quests is eight, and then three or more quests, you're going to get 10 points per star. So I don't know. You really need to solve those quests. That can be a decent amount of points. Like half my points came from that, came from doing those quests. So I think it's really important to do those quests. It's one of those things that I think that you should at least focus on that to do them. But mm -hmm. one of the things I other I I also kind of felt was there was somewhat limiting in what the stars you could do. So for example, there's there's seven spots. One of them is either have like seven workers or five explore tokens, map tokens, I think they're called now. Map tokens. Have eight mm -hmm. cards, seven you've vanquished seven of the corruption tiles. You've gotten the big bat big daddy. 20 corruption tile, four upgrades, four melds, four quests. Well, at one point, sitting there, like, Natasha got the 20, so I can't do that. At one point, there was, like, 
I only had like a vanquished a couple things and there was un, wasn't enough left on the board for me to get that. So that one was out, you know, so I had to start focusing on the other ones. It kind of started narrowing down the options of what I had specifically like that 21. Only one person will ever get it. It somewhat limits what you can try to go for, especially when there's only going to be one star ever placed on that one particular spot because there's only one person who's going to get that. Yeah, you have to be the first one to do that. It's But it's pretty obvious when someone's getting close to doing it, so you can just not go for it. Yeah. I don't try focus on other things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, the game, I really was. I really wanted to love this game, and I, I want to play it more, and I want to see if it's something that's going to grow on me um, over you know more plays. But right now, just, yeah, I wish it, it kind of just fell a little flat for me. Well, I liked it. I think you should check it out. If you like Scythe, if you don't like Scythe, if you like a card game, I think you just got to go into it knowing what it is. And, and it does help to manage your expectations. You know, those those big popular games, people play them and they if they don't love them, they kind of are disappointed by it. So I can see that. So there you go. That's Expeditions. Give it a shot. Um, maybe you'll like it. Maybe not. That's okay. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are going to be discussing this week. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be talking about board game challenges. Welcome back. We are now going to be talking about board game challenges, and I think more specifically, we're going to be talking about the one that's probably the most prevalent within the board gaming industry, and that is the 10 by 10 challenge. So this seems to be a trend in a lot of different things is setting like goals or challenges to do a certain amount of things within a year. I have a lot of friends who read and their goal is to like read so many books a year, that sort of thing. I know for me specifically, I set a goal to read 50 books this year. Um, I'm probably not going to hit that goal. Um, <laughs> it might <laughs> it might have been slightly more lofty than I than I originally thought it would be. But it's a very common trend, right? Mm-hmm. And I, one, of, one of the things specifically in the board game industry that you see a lot of is a 10 by 10 challenge. What is a 10 by 10 challenge? It is you pick 10 games and you play each of those games 10 times in the entire year. So you're going to effectively play 100 games, 10 of them being on your 10 by 10. There are etsy shops that are just devoted to providing <laughs> people boards for this sort of thing you fill in a meeple each time you play the game and you can make a little icon with the game picture of it in there and slide it in it's cute it is it is definitely something and i know we have kickstarted um the board game mosaic uh calendars every year and those always have a 10 by 10 challenge at the back of them um that sort of thing and you can place meeples to fill in that sort of stuff so it's a it's a big thing in the hobby it's a big thing doing the 10 by 10 challenge so i've seen it done a couple ways i've seen it done where they at the beginning of the year they're like we're gonna play these 10 games 10 times that's the entire challenge and then i've yep. seen people like list 10 games and then once they complete a play a game 10 times they've completed it they put a new game in and if they don't complete it 10 times it sits there until they complete it 10 times yeah, we've uh, we've have a friend who recently changed the way he did those challenges, and that's what he ended up converting to. Is as soon as ten, as soon as he's filled in ten of those plays on that particular game, the game comes out and they do it. The quote unquote real way, I guess, 
as much as there can be a real way when it comes to a challenge like this is you pick 10, you do 10, you, the, the given original. time frame is, yeah, original, the, the original OG, way. yeah, OG, original, is you pick 10 games, you play them in a year. Um, I also have had people like flip it on their head and they've done like five by 20 or one by a hundred. You know, <laughs> I've I've seen a lot of different like variations of it, you know, where people are start getting a little bit, you know, play more of this one game, that sort of thing. So, yeah, 10 by 10 challenge. Question for you, Natasha. Have you ever actually made or tried a 10 by 10 challenge? No, I'm. I don't really set goals for myself like that, so I don't think just I ever would. Just in life, would. you don't set you don't set goals in like life. Just in general, I have life goals, but life goals and entertainment <laughs> goals are very separate. Yeah, <laughs> sure, okay. We can <laughs> let. I'll let that slide. All right, sounds good. Continue. <laughs> However, I I don't think it'd be for me, but I see the appeal to it, especially yeah. when you're always playing new stuff. You're always playing. You want to learn something new. It's a focus, right? You're like, I'm going to try to complete this goal of playing these games that I really like. And I want to try to play them a bunch of times. I really like that part of the goal. And I would do that too. Like I would be down for that. I wouldn't set a specific number or a specific set of games. But if I have a game that I really like and I'm learning, I like to play it like 10 times in a row, you know, to really solidify the game for me. So I like that part of it. It's a challenge that I approve of. I think more people should do it. Who like to set? fluffy little unimportant goals in their life <laughs> you you approve of the challenge it's good it's good it's good to, it's look at, it's look good at me i'm being so generous with my approval today i'm not being judgy at all yeah. no not at all a little i mean there's a lot of things people do in the hobby that i don't approve of but a 10 by 10 challenges with the one thing you, we should do a whole segment. That's the things Natasha does not top 10 things. Natasha does not approve of in the <gasps> board good, gaming hobby. Let's, I could do that. All right. Well, stay tuned listeners. Cause that is, that's going to be a topic soon. Probably. So that, <laughs> geez. Oh, it, I um, already have it. Okay. You already have like the first five, <laughs> the 10 by 10 challenge. I have done it. I, mm, let me rephrase. Let me let me take a step back. I have attempted the challenge the last four years, and I have yet to complete the challenge all four years. How close have you gotten to it? Mm. So that's 100 mm-hmm. games, 100 plays. Yep, 100 plays, yep. Uh, not very close, honestly. To this year, I did, I okay. So what I did in years past is I just came up with 10 games that I wanted to play, right? And it was difficult because when we go to game night, it's typically new hotness. It seems to be the thing we play. Very rarely do you go to, do we go to like one of our board game nights and we play the same game over and over again. It's usually something new. And, you know, having a podcast about games we play, we do need to, you know, play newer things even if it's to us or play like older titles but you know you can't necessarily you can't repeat reviews of games that you've already played so there's that facet that you know you do need to play new games and honestly part of me i love playing new games i love experiencing new things i like to know what people are doing i like to have an opinion about what people are talking about and i need to play the game in order to have an opinion so yes i do like to play if i had it my way i would have played every single game except gloomhaven jaws of the lion Okay, every single game that I'm interested in. 
Okay. There's an asterisk on that. There's an asterisk. See subsection 2A for what it actually means. <laughs> so there's there's obviously that pressure. But that's the thing is it's it's a pressure that I enjoy. I enjoy doing new games. That said, I love sinking my teeth into a game and getting a bunch of plays in of something. So it's it's difficult. And in years past, I've always put together a list that, of just games that I want to play. Ten games. Mm-hmm. And I've failed. I don't know if I've even hit halfway on some of these goals. This year, I did it again. And it's like, it was almost like my make or break year I was thinking about this. Like, if it doesn't happen, it's not going to, like, I'm just probably not going to do it. Um, but I did it. I attempted it differently. Because if I'm going to play a game 10 times, more than likely, it's going to be a game I play with my wife. Yeah. Because we, she loves doing the same thing, playing a game. All right, run it back, run it back. And I enjoy playing those games back to back to back. So with her, it's easier to get the challenge through. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to pick five games and she gets to pick five games. That way we're, we both have, we're both invested in this 10 by 10 challenge. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it because you've got a partner that's going to help you opposed to a game night that's like, no, Bob, we don't want to play your game again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Might be your then, favorite game, but it's not everybody else's. Right. And then my I will say my wife does play certain games that are my favorite. And she doesn't like. But anyway, so I picked I picked five. She picked five. Uh, as of this recording, we are halfway through. We're 50. We've played 50 games. That's pretty the, good. I know it's three quarters of the year through, but that's still pretty good. That's not terrible. No, we've only completed one game completely. We've only completed one. Um, other than that, we're well on our way with some of these other ones. Um, do I think I'm going to get it done? No, I really don't. <laughs> I just don't think I will. I think your problem is limiting it to a year. Why don't you complete the whole challenge when it's completed, then start over. If it takes a year and a half, that's fine. Why do you need to play a hundred games in a year? Okay. So two things. Number one, I, I track all that on an app. I don't have a cool Etsy like board for things. So like on the app, it just gives you your time frame of a year or whatever. So I just kind of like said, leave that as default. Um, I don't know. I just don't like there. It, it makes sense to say these are 10 games and I want to play these 10 games and I want to change the, change my viewpoint to say, okay, as soon as I get rid of one, I'm done. Like I'm going to put a new game into the queue as it were. But for some reason for me, that's like, you might, I'm either doing it or I'm not. You know, I'm either trying to play these games a hundred, you know, ten times each in a year, or I'm not. No, you don't. That you don't need to change the whole thing. You, you try to play ten games ten times, then you're done, and then you do it again. So you don't have to change out that individual game. Now you only have nine left. If it takes the the year is the arbitrary part. It doesn't need to be done in a year. Maybe if you extended it to eighteen months, it would be doable. Mm, the question is, would I still try to do it at eighteen months? You know, is that still is that still a challenge for me to do? I think the real problem is that you don't have an Etsy board hanging up in your <laughs> board game room. If you get one of those, you'll see it every day, and then you get to put a little meeple in the spot, and that would be satisfying. There is something satisfying about placing a meeple in that in that slot to mark a play that you've done. Yeah, you have to visually look at it, and once like then you have like let's say you have like five done, and you're like I only need a few more of these games, and you would like work at it. You'll see it every time you're down there. 
I'm just a little disappointed that you haven't gotten me the Etsy board, considering, you know, my birthday was recently. That was an epic fail on my part. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was. It was. That's you know okay, how I, I feel about, about birthday gifts. Yeah, but you know that I enjoy gift receiving. You know that's my thing. I enjoy that. Anyway, let's sidetrack. We let's let's bring this back to the ten by ten challenge. Okay. That that's true. The time is an arbitrary thing, but there people will set different criteria for it. Like there's hardcore mode, which is you pick ten January first, and those are the only ten you can pick. You can't go back and change them. Like that's an option in the board game stats app, where as soon as you commit to a game. You can't take it off there anymore. It's there. Like, that is the game you've committed to. So people will play, like, quote-unquote, hardcore mo- mode with it. You know? Like. <laughs> this is why I cheat. This is why I'm a cheater. I make up my own rules. No, I know. You're a cheater. And we, we understand that. I just prefer to play them on easy mode. Like, however I want. Just easy peasy. Easy mode. Like. It's still frustrating me with with expeditions. Like you've been going to the spot and taking advantage of it, and you're, I go to do it, and you're just like, mm, I don't think it works that way. Like convenient that it all of a sudden doesn't work when I'm trying to do it. I wasn't doing the same thing you were. You did something different. What do you mean I did something different? You used the card differently. I don't even know what that means, but okay, sure, sure. Or the, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway, anyway, so. To go back to this 10 by 10 challenge thing. So there's people who set these, you know, people will set these different criteria. For me, I think the spirit of it is trying to accomplish it within a year. And I, if I would do it where it's okay. I disagree. I think the spirit of it is to play the same games over and over. That's the spirit of the challenge. Yeah, it is to, yes, to play the same game 10 times. But... I don't know. My brain just doesn't let me say, okay, I can extend it for 18 months or I can send it for 24 months. Then I'm more than likely, I'll probably just accomplish that anyway. Because if they're games I like, then I'm probably going to play them 10 times within the next two years. Okay. How many games have you played 10 times in the last year? Oh, man. I'd have to look at my stats app. I don't know. I bet you it's less than 10. All right. For this year right now, more than 10 plays, I only have three. Yeah, that's the point of the challenge. Is to do it within a year. No, it's to play games more than three times. Or, yeah, sorry. but if I... Ex- if more I than, ex- yeah, more than three times, ever. I didn't say three. I've only had three that are above 10. Otherwise, I have I know, a lot I of... like Sitting at like eight or like... It. Yeah, eight or nine or seven. But the thing is, that's that's only this year. That's not going back... You know, if I go back two years, that's probably going to be... a completely different than i would definitely have games that i've played more than 10 times have you played any games more than 10 times have you how many games this year have you played more than 10 times um five but that's not very fair because two of them are the crew and one of them is uno how are two of them the crew the crew the quest for planet nine and the crew for mission mission deep sea so you count well when you play the different versions you count them as the different yeah, I just I picked yeah. up the different versions. Yeah, when I put them in, I grabbed the Got correct it. version we were playing. Yeah, that's kind of cheating a little bit, I think. And if you take out Uno, which apparently I played 31 times this year. For a game you hate, you've played it a lot. Yeah. I'm surprised I recorded it. That's what I'm surprised about. I don't typically record those games. <laughs> so it's probably more like 50. Gross. I know. 
I actually don't hate you enough. I'm going to play a card game with my son. Quick one. Like, I, it's easy to get out. Like, I, I don't even have to sit at the kitchen table. You can play at the, on the couch. I don't hate it. But, yeah, I would love to play my top ten list games all ten times. Not even close to um, playing a game ten times. Ten, ten different games ten times. I think I'm close because I have a bunch of eights. I think I'm like... Granted, the crew is, you know, one of them that's on there because I've played that a ton. Let's see. Yeah, so I'm I'm I would say I'm close if I just pick the 10, 10 games or whatever. But I don't know. It, like I said, for me to set it up where it's just I keep playing it until I've accomplished that goal. I don't know. It, the, that's the thing. It is a it's a board game challenge where you're trying to achieve something that is not necessarily easily achievable. So anything that you're giving it that allows it like to be easier, I don't necessarily, I think goes against the spirit of the challenge part. Like, yes, the spirit is to play those 10 games, but I disagree with that. Oh my God. Why? Because it it doesn't make it easier. It makes it like more likely that you'll do it and keep doing it. And what pushes you is to like start a new challenge, like make it like, okay, you don't do it in 12 months, but you want to do it in 14 months. And then you can start over with, Brand new games because you're getting sick of playing the same games or something. I don't know. The point is yes, to play that... more games. It's better to do extend it than not do it at all. I'm not doing it at all, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Says the person who's not doing it all. I don't <laughs> think so. I think it depends on. I think it depends on what you want to get out of it. I think it depends. I don't necessarily think you have to like extend it. You're the type of person that sets super easy, simple goals. Like my uh, goal honey, today is. I don't, I don't my... set goals. Jesus. What do you set then if you're not setting goals for your life? Not not board games for life. You said you set goals. You have life goals. Are they easy, like easily like attainable? Like my goal for today is to walk for five minutes. No, I don't put hard and fast rules on myself like that. Um, No, I don't set. I have I have tasks I need completed. So I have lists throughout my day that need to get done. That's what I. But like, know, what? What I about like goals? Thing. You said you do life goals. Are there any like life goals that are just like when you set a life goal, is it easily obtainable? Like, do you know for a fact? Like, I'm gonna set this goal. I know for a fact I'm gonna achieve it. Yes, I don't know, not for a fact, but I set, I set like the next life goal. Okay, my next thing I'm gonna do. I don't set a ten year plan. I set my next step. You know what I mean. Like this is my yeah. my goal. I'm going to like I'm going to get promoted to be a senior, get the senior position in my position. That's my next goal. So what am I going to do to achieve that? Then what am I going to do from there? I don't know. But I have one one goal at a time. One thing at a time. See, for me, if I'm going to do a challenge, the challenge needs to be something that is not necessarily easily attainable. And I think for me, if I would say, okay, you know what? Let's get rid of the year-long thing. If it takes me 18 months to do it, it takes me 18 months. It takes me 24. It takes me 24. For me, that eliminates the challenge piece of things, which is something that the reason why I do it is the challenge of it, as well as the secondary piece is playing 10 games that I like. Okay, and that's the difference. There's right, a difference between a goal and a challenge. A goal is to accomplish something, and a challenge is to accomplish something within this specific time frame. And I think challenges are stupid. Goals are fine for other people. So, so a ten by ten challenge, you're not cool with anymore. Then 
I, I just don't like Are arbitrary you, restrictions on yourself. Then you just give up and go, I'm not going to do it because I didn't do it in the right time frame. Like a goal, like, okay, you don't complete your goal this year. You keep working on it until you complete it. Yeah, I keep doing 10 by 10s until I eventually do one. You just said uh, you were going to give up. Of... You said at the beginning, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore because I can't complete it. So you're giving up on the whole idea. Yeah, maybe. I've tried it enough times that it's just not for me, I don't think. I don't I, think yeah, you to need to adjust it. it. You don't have to follow these stupid arbitrary rules. If you want to do it, make up your own rules. Why can't I just, why can't you let me just do me? Why can't I just do it the way I want to do it? I want you it? to succeed and not set yourself up for failure. It's not, I wouldn't consider it a failure. Yeah, it is a failure. I would definitely consider it a failure now that I think about it. Like that's a, it's yes. Like maybe I failed at the challenge or whatever, but at the same time, like, like if you don't part read of the, 50 books this year, you're still going to read like what 30, 40 books. Like you still get to feel good about that yourself, but having a stupid, but obviously that whole thing is stupid. Like 50 books. Like what does that mean? It, you know, it clearly it is like you've probably listened to 50 books in the last like week. Anyway, continue. Yeah. It's a lot easier to listen to books. It is a lot easier to listen to books. I don't know. For me, like, the, it's the challenge piece, right? For me, it's the challenge. A, but having a challenge is supposed to accomplish something. And like the whole point of challenging yourself to do something, right? The whole point of challenging yourself to read 50 books in a month is to become more intellectual. But you're still like become more intellectual even if you didn't hit 50. Like you still are completing the, the, the ultimate goal. You know, if you challenge yourself to like walk every day to for health benefits and you don't do it, you know, every Thursday, you shouldn't just be like, well, I failed. You know, you still improved your health. The goal of the 10 by 10 challenge is to play the same games more than one time. Well, and I've accomplished that because I play the games more often than I probably would have if they weren't on the list. Yeah. I just haven't hit the, I just haven't hit a hundred plays or 10, 10 games, 10 played, 10 plays, yeah. 10 played is, played is, is things, think. Played, so I've, played, in that regard, plays. like, yes, I've been successful because I've yes. played the games more. And the nice thing about it, I will say this, okay. regardless of everything, whether or not you restrict yourself to saying at January 1st, these 10 games are the 10 games you're going to play. It's not fluid. I'd make mine slightly more fluid. If I know there's a game that for some reason, like I put on there that I think I'm really going to like and I just it falls flat a couple times, then the games, you know, I'm going to remove it and put something else down. That said... One of the major things that I love about having a list like this, specifically with my wife, who is like one of my primary gamers when I'm at home, and her having five and me having five, is it eliminates the, what do you want to play? I don't know. What do you want to yeah, play? I don't know. That, yes. Well, let's go it, look at the list. Yeah. So what, what games do we need to get off the 10 by 10? Oh, Honey Buzz? Okay, cool. Let's just play Honey Buzz then. Oh, this? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. You know, it's the same thing when we start a campaign. One of the nice things about playing a campaign is you want to play a game tonight? Yep. And then you just sit down and you play the campaign because you're in the middle of a campaign. Yeah. Sometimes you'll be like, yeah, I'm cool to play a game, but I would prefer not playing the campaign. I like I'd rather just do something simpler. OK, look at your list. OK, we need to play this game six more times. Let's get a couple plays into this. I think the nice thing about that challenge, too, is if you find yourself after four or five plays of one game. And going, I just don't want to play it anymore. Then that's great information to have. You don't want to play yep. this game anymore. Get rid of it. You know, I think that is valuable in itself. Like, if you don't get to 10 because you don't like the game, then get the game out of your shelf and, and be happy that you figured that out. And that I, is a success. I don't know if that's... I mean, you don't have to get rid of your games just because you don't want to play them anymore. I'm just saying, you can hold <laughs> on to them for nostalgia reasons. 
but that is that is true right so like that's one of the things i find is i have a game on there i've played it four or five times and i'm just like i'm good for a while like i don't i don't want to play this more right now like i'd much rather you know play something else like i don't want to hit 10 so then you get rid of the game and you're happier for it nah because i might want to come back to it there are games i need to get rid of though you know besides the fact but if you don't want to come back to it now why are you going to want to come back to it in the future when there's I don't new know, stuff maybe. that you could be on. Okay, this is number one in Natasha's things that I do not approve don't, of. No, don't, no spoilers on your top 10 things that frustrate Natasha about the industry. Like, no spoilers. You can't let, no. You can't give away your, especially your number one. You can't do that. <laughs> I don't think you it's going to surprise that. anybody. No, it might not be my number one. Keeping games there that you don't one. play? Yeah. yeah. There might be um, one more, one or two more that's higher. It's still a mystery. You have no idea how incredibly I'm excited to hear this list. I'm going to a board gaming convention this week, so I will have things added to the list, I guarantee you. With you, Natasha, what I love is you're either 100% or you're 0%. Either you care so much about something or you care absolutely nothing about it. You're just like, eh, whatever, 10 by 10. Like, I don't care. Like, whatever. You do you. And then there's things that like really like bug you that you're just like, I cannot stand this pet peeve thing. Like <laughs> very rarely does I'm something fall. I'm a little fall black in, and white. <laughs> there's very rarely does something fall into the quote unquote gray area for Natasha. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have a gray area. Things are right or they're wrong. Like there's not there's very little things that like mildly in- annoy me. <laughs> like they either annoy me or they don't. Oh, uh, it's so good. I can't. Yeah. Uh, can't wait can't wait for this list to wrap this up 10 by 10 challenge would you ever do one no because i don't want to like come to game night every week and be like hey guys you want to play my games hey guys you want to play this game hey guys you want to play this game and i don't and i i mean i could definitely complete it with max but um i don't you know if i had like a regular person that i played with every week at the games that i enjoyed i would i would absolutely do one like if i had a, a you know somebody who'd come over every day and play a game with me and it was easy to do it off you know away from game nights that type of thing then i would totally do it because i think it'd be fun but i wouldn't put these arbitrary like one one a year rules on it but my goal would be like to play a game 10 times and then play another game 10 times and then play another game 10 times and maybe mix it up like have three games going at the same time but yeah i mean in this sense in the arbitrary sense yes i would do it in the reality of the world that i live in no that's going to be one of those things that we're just going to have to put to the back burner until we have a our uh, retirement center for former board game enthusiasts. Former, current, yes. still board game enthusiasts. Our board game, yes. Our board game retirement center. You can do a 10 by 10 challenge. Yeah, because they'll have time. It'll be like a 100 by 100 challenge. <laughs> It'll just We just need to spend one evening playing the crew and we'll get at least one game at 100. <laughs> And we'll be able to do it in like a month. Yeah. My question to the audience, because I'm curious, have you ever done a 10 by 10 challenge? Like, how do you approach the 10 by 10 challenge? You know, what are is your criteria? Do you have it more free flowing? Are you more like strict? Do you go hardcore mode? Email us. Let us know. I'm really curious about people's experience with the 10 by 10 challenge. Agree. I'm curious what other people say, too. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Next week, you're on your own, but join us for the following week. Please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook and let us know what you think. 
by sending us your comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you in two weeks.